Hello and welcome back to another episode of Portrait of an Editor. First, Distillery's anthology, The Devil's Cut, which Will Dennis discusses in this episode of Cropped, was released last week. So scoop up your copy before it sells out. Along with talking about 2023 San Diego Comic Con, we also review Will's past and discusses his future with Comixology, the digital versus physical reading experience, being part of yet another Eisner win and the success of distillery's booth at san diego finally will reveals the magic sauce needed for a publishing startup to go from conversation to a booth at san diego comic-con in one year enjoy so will welcome back to the real world uh you sir i hope you sir your health survived San Diego Comic-Con 2023, which is what we're going to talk about. Uh, last time we talked, uh, pretty, we're making up for the last time. I think we took like a bunch of months off, but uh, you were coming down from COVID, so I hope that helped protect you. How was your con mm-hmm. crud? Did you uh, dodge was, that bullet? Yeah. <laughs> I had that super immunity because I had COVID like, you know, I don't know, three weeks before or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so I wasn't too worried about getting it again, hopefully. But no, I feel fine. I don't know. It's just so many years. I think it's like the alcohol, like it kills most of the con crud. I think that's why people who, you know, don't like go with quite as hard as we usually go, like end up getting sick afterwards. I don't think I've ever once come home and been sick. So, you know, it's probably just, you know, you're sort of pickled by the time you get back to real world <laughs> you're not gonna get all robert f kennedy and conspiracy theory with me about your immune system <laughs> <laughs> if you want to we can, but i don't know i thought this was a family show so i'll try to keep it between the lines okay so i'm not gonna lose you um so the couple things i wanted to touch base in where like let's just uh try to keep this tight is mm-hmm. um i guess the old and then the new so Congratulations to you, Scott Snyder and Tula uh, Lote, with mm-hmm. the and everybody else on the crew and Comicsology for um, the win uh, for Barnstormers for the Comicsology original Barnstormers, which is I'm finally getting to it. Sorry about the delay, but what seven issues? Six or seven issues? But um, uh, it's, I think it's six, right? Six. Okay. It's being collected into three. Three. Three print versions, you know, with two issues in each. So, and that, uh, um, I, I saw that clear, that version of clear that you sent me, mm-hmm, the, uh, mm-hmm. the dark horse, which is the first time I've seen that. And they're doing a great job. I mean, it's a, it's a different oh, yeah. experience reading it from uh, on my iPad and then seeing the comics and the layout. It's really, there's a tactile, different experience, different look of the art. Everything mm-hmm. does, it does change really from, oh, yeah. Yeah, and in particular, when you're talking about artists like someone like Francis or even Lisa, where there's a lot of the design mm-hmm. is part of it, you know, um, like the overall. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the whole page, like you don't realize when you're looking on screen how much just seeing a whole page at once, I feel like, is gives it a different experience, you know, like you just have this kind of because we always talk about that is like each page is, is its own sort of existing I don't know, universe is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you have to kind of look at each page sort of as its own thing, you know? And so, yeah, not being able to like a reading, say in guided view and not being able to really get that experience. I think it definitely 
yeah, to me too, when I get to flip through the actual physical one, it's definitely, you see it in a different way, you know, like the pacing feels different, like a lot. I think that's probably for me the thing is most, I mean, I don't know, get down this rabbit hole, but that's probably the biggest thing I think is lost for me in the digital reading experience is the pacing, you know, like because there is a certain quality of like the page turns and, you know, the physical, you know, slowing it down with Mm -hmm. like a a lot of panels and then speeding it up with like a splash page and, you know, that sort of stuff where you can control the reading experience to some extent. Um, if you're like the good storytellers can, I mean, even the business of the kind of the shapes of the panels, the widths of the panels, you know, that kind of thing. But that's mostly kind of all lost if you're doing the guided view, because it just feels like you're on like an infinite, I don't know. I always picture kind of an infinitely long horizontal strip that I'm just sliding to the left or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, no, it's cool. And that was great to win. I mean, I mean, I was really happy. I know it meant a lot to Scott. He'd won one like really early in his career and then, you know, hadn't been there for years and rarely even gets nominated, which I, you know, I think is unfortunate. I think he's got sort of that kind of Steven Spielberg, but, you know, quality where he's like much beloved and it's always a, a high quality the work, but, you know, the sort of snobbier, you know, award type people don't, you know, you don't usually get points for like being popular. So, you know, so a lot of his stuff usually, I mean, he really hasn't been nominated very much considering like what a big part of the industry is. And, you know, and I think like with the quality of most of the material that he puts out, you know, mm-hmm. is, uh, is that, you know, so. Um, yeah, so that was cool. And I mean, Lisa's, everyone loves Lisa and her work. And so, it, yeah, it was nice. And the beauty of the thing, the, um, it's like the second award they gave. So you're like, you know, <laughs> they're literally like, you're barely sitting down and kind of settling in and they're doing it. And then the second award, they're just like, and it happened last year too, because we won for snow angels last year. So that's two years in a row for comicsology and, uh, yeah, like before we even knew it, like they're calling your name and you're up there and you're just like, oh my God, you know. So like we're walking up there and I'm telling, you know, like we're kind of like, don't forget to thank so-and-so, don't forget to thank so-and-so. And then they didn't thank each other. And, you know, it was just like a whole, you know, we got back to the table and Scott was like, I don't think I thanked Lisa. And Lisa's like, I definitely didn't thank you. I mean, that was <laughs> his real name is Lisa. So we were just like, we were at the table like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So... But, and, yeah, it, was, it was great. And you mentioned, you just mentioned uh, what I was trying to, um, was working to get to was that Snow Angels won a year before, Barnstormers won this year, you know, and with Scott and um, some other people that Chip Mosher brought in for Comixology Originals, you know, the quality of it really took off in the last three years, I would say, of, uh-huh. of that. And the experiment really started showing what they were attempting to do. And now that Bryce, was it Bryce Gold's gone on to Kickstarter, mm-hmm. Comixology's pretty much, at least the originals, no one really knows what's going on. I don't, I don't know who's really in charge anymore. There was never an announcement the way when Chip left and then Bryce got announced mm-hmm. that he was taking over and here we are less than a year later. How do you feel? Know, because weird. you were, I'm sorry? It's weird, isn't it? You were part of the beginning of that. You launched that adaptation or sort of, beginning mm-hmm. book from that French book with Andy Diggle right, and yeah. Sean, Sean yeah. Martinborough, which did that ever finish? Yeah. Yeah. It did. Finished. Okay. It, came out and it got collected and, um, 
Yeah, it, and I mean, it actually did pretty well, I think, you know, all things considered. So, um, oh, I'll have to, but yeah, that was sort of the start of me working with Chip and you know, we got Jock to do the covers and then they yeah. started to build like a relationship and, you know, that spun a lot of the distilleries. Well, that led into Snow Angels and then that's led into like the distillery stuff. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's it sucks, really, honestly. It's like a year a year ago. You know, the comicsology, they had a whole crew of people. We went out there like a couple of days early. We had like a whole trip to the beach one day all together. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a big, you know, they had a suite. They had like a, a party for Scott, you know, it was like the Scott Tober part two or whatever. I don't remember what we called it, but it was another because there was a bunch of his other mm-hmm. books launched at the show. Yeah, and it was just like a we really felt like this vibe of like, wow, we really found like a great home, you know, for this other stuff. Um, yeah, and then it just kind of sadly just got blown up. Like all those people, all those people were gone. Like you know, so in one capacity or another. It's been a few months since New York because everybody was together in New York, and everybody thought that hey, you know, we're going to do fine. And I was hanging out right, with you guys. Right, yeah, because you're right. You were with us in New York, and it was the same kind of vibe. They had a party in New York and everything. And then when did that happen? January, January, February. When yeah, they laid everybody off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I. I I was pretty shocked, honestly. I thought that, you know, you always sort of think, well, you're in the content business, so maybe you're protected, you know. But look, I mean, look at this strike that's happening. It's kind of like, I don't know, a lot of these companies maybe think they can do it without you or they just don't really understand the value of what they have exactly. I don't know. I think a lot of times these companies, like, they start these cuts and then, you know, the cuts are very they're not like with a scalpel, they're with like a meat cleaver, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you saw it at Twitter. It's like they start firing everybody, but then it's like, oh, wait, we fired all the people who actually cut the checks and turned the servers on, you know? And it's like, what, you know, I mean, it's it's like, you can't really just look at a spreadsheet and be like, everyone below this line is gone, you know? But that's, I think that sometimes these companies, they start to, that's kind of the approach. Because particularly for the money that they spend on this stuff, and for the, I'm sure the salaries that those some of those people were. I mean, I understand there's probably some redundancies, but you know, somebody like Bryce. I mean, for what they were probably paying Bryce for the amount of content mm-hmm. he was generating, and the goodwill, and the new material and stuff, like, it, like you know, that's like a cut to me that's just too deep. You know, like it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, but. Um, so yeah, so I mean, we're still working on the stuff that we're working on. We have a few things lined up that we're still putting out new stuff that will be coming out, like probably starting in the fall from comiXology from, yeah. Okay. Then I don't, after that, we don't know, you know, like we're not, we're not pitching any new stuff beyond what's already contracted, you know, but I think uh, we did last year. I think that was a New York Comic Con last year that we announced like some new, you know, some new stuff. So yeah, once those things finish, I, you know that that might that might be sort of the end of this phase, you know, sadly. But was a reason know. ever given? Was a reason ever? Did you ever get a solid reason for this sort of just change, just really huge upheaval of change, of shuttering, basically? Um, no, I think it was just part of like a bigger cut across mm-hmm. the board at Amazon. I mean, remember they first announced it was going to be 12,000 layoffs and then it got bumped to 18 and then they did 18 and then they added another wave of it after the wave that all these people got, you know, let go in. No, I think it's just, you know, whatever that, you know, the shares were 
down and inflation's up and the margins get squeezed and then they just start like chopping off heads, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's a, it's not even really coming from the level right above them. You know what I mean? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm sure it's coming from some mothership that's probably circling the, you know, globe as we speak, you know, um, I, because like I said, I mean, for the, for the amount of money that they spend on it and the amount of money that these people probably actually cost versus what they actually are generating in terms of IP, which is really difficult to do. Like it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't, you know, even if you were paying the guy $500,000 a year, which I'm certain you weren't anywhere near that, No, you know, think of think, you know, you're generating 40 or 50, like new properties a year, you know, that like Amazon has some potential stake in and it doesn't, you know, but whatever. It's not, you know, so yeah, I'm glad that Bryce is, I mean, Bryce is a Kickstarter. I saw him, he seemed really happy. That's a good fit for him, you know, cause he started really in like kind of the indie comics world that does a lot of that stuff. And, um, so I think it's good for him because I think he can really help find new talent and find a way for new people to, get uh you know find the money they need to do projects you know mm-hmm. yeah my experience with kickstarter has been sort of lukewarm now there's only a few people that i, I, I just I, i've been underwhelmed by it and also i've paid out a, some money and still haven't seen stuff for years really i've had people just disappear yeah. so i'm not on the kickstarter fan boat right now at this moment i'm still very 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 cautious when yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, but that, that was a similar thing. I mean, they got to a while where they had a really robust approach to, you know, trying to generate stuff, have this comics liaison, be doing stuff in the community, sponsoring stuff, you know, that. And then, yeah, at some point they just feel like, oh, wait a second, this is costing us too much. Like, let's close the office in, you know, New York and lay everybody off. And then they're maybe slowly putting some pieces back together. But, you know, I think it's a similar kind of thing, you know? So, but yeah, I think it's a good fit for Bryce and hopefully, you know, he'll, he seemed really happy when I saw him. So, yeah. And I, and I knew about like, for when it comes to comiXology, I've heard about like the development stuff that happened. So it was, I mean, the whole thing about generating IP was real. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going into the pipeline for, um, f- from the comiXology original. I mean, I, that I've heard that I mean, like, we've done, done development, you know, just between me and Scott, we put in a dozen new properties like in the last mm-hmm. three years. I'm working on four or five, at least other ones. I mean, I've probably worked on, I don't know, 20 projects for them or more, you know, in like the last four or five years. And, you know, I mean, I know what I'm getting paid and I know what the budgets are. And it's like the walking around money for, studio guys you know what i mean yeah it's uh but, based uh, those gym I, I, fees you know? <laughs> yeah right exactly so i don't i don't i don't really understand that you know from that standpoint like why they would start there in terms of cuts and stuff but you know otherwise we're just kind of going ahead it's like business as usual as much as we can make it and you know i mean luckily for us it's like we're not really relying on them to make the stuff right like we know what we're doing we're just delivering them mm-hmm. you know finish books so as long as there's someone there to receive them and to cut the checks like you know it's okay i mean in the dark horse relationship is good the books look really nice from dark horse you know the end product is really nice and 
And the, you know, I think the price is right for like how much of a stuff you get and working with them has been great. So, you know, I mean, whatever, there's no perfect situation, obviously in comics. So, or in any business, to be honest. So, well then the shifting to the, the brand spanking new, like with distillery, which seems to be the Phoenix rising, you know, kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. out of right, the right. experiment that was comiXology and, and in a way, I don't know. You tell me if there wasn't for the the three years or so of comicsology, would you even have distillery? Basically, you know, with everything that was learned there, and, and now here we are with distillery. Um, no, I, I mean it's like you, you, everything is a sort of a time. You know, it's all on a some kind of a timeline or some kind of a uh, I don't know what the word is. I'm grasping at and failing, but. No, I mean, it's the relationships that get formed and those initial things like Chip and I joke about it that, you know, Chip Mosier is now like, you know, one of the founders of Distillery who was running Comixology Originals. Like I had a meeting. I didn't know Chip, which is weird because we're we're not that far apart in age and we've been around a long time and he's been around much longer even than I am. But he knows everybody. When you go to San Diego with him, he's like the mayor of San Diego, like everywhere you walk around, every booth someone's yelling to him to come over, like press the flash. Like the guy is like really like beloved and like knows everybody from like the retailer side to the, you know, publisher side to the creator side to just even the guys who are selling long boxes and our original art. Like he just knows everyone, you know? Um, and somehow I, I, I sort of, we didn't, our paths didn't really cross, even though we have so many mutual friends and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was years ago. I had to, I had an appointment. I made an appointment with him to talk to him about doing some online comics, you know. And then it just sort of, we just sort of kept in touch, and you know, just built it out from there. But yeah, I mean, this time last year, him and David were at San Diego, and just sort of in the very first stages of trying to cook up this new company, you know, and just did literally started talking to some of the people that they were friends with and talking to me and all that kind of stuff last year in San Diego. And then to have a year later to have like a huge booth and have a book out and everything else, you know, it it was fantastic. You know, I mean, it it couldn't have been, I mean, I don't really think it could have been better. I mean, it was a miracle that we got all the stuff done, but you know, I think it's when you get a lot of professional people like us together, have a lot of experience, like that kind of stuff can actually happen, you know? And, and like I just read, I think earlier this week that the orders for the anthology that you were pulling your hair out, trying to get mm-hmm. delivered uh, the last time we talked was uh, right. end of 50,000. So yeah. that's, I mean, Brian Hibbs, of course, in the comments commented that I guess everything's returnable. So it's not 50,000 sales, sure. but, but it's an sure. order of, you know, people wanting to, you know, definitely see the product and the opportunity that at least it's going to be in stores. That's, a, right. that's a healthy order. I mean, you guys can't sneeze oh, at that really a fantastic order you know? in terms of like what we were, you know, spitballing what we'd be happy with versus what it is. What because would you have been about, happy you're with? Talking about, well, I mean, you're talking about a book that's close to $10, right? Yeah. You know? So, I mean, if your typical book is, Two ninety nine, three ninety nine, and that you know four bucks ish. So it's you know it's more than twice the cost of a regular book. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at numbers then, like if it were only four bucks, like or would we be selling a hundred thousand copies? If we sold a hundred thousand <laughs> copies of that thing, I mean, you'd be like, that would be gigantic, like yeah. you know. 
So yeah, for for a price point like that, like we didn't really, and like you said, yeah, I guess it's returnable, but I don't know. My feeling is always like once they have those in hand and, you know, people see them. I mean, I saw the reaction to with the stuff at San Diego. Um, and it, you know, once you pick it up and you're holding it in your hand, it's this big, heavy, thick book and covers like beautiful and glossy and it's a heavy stock and it just feels like very substantial. And you know, you're flipping through it. It's like that kind of magazine size. It's not like comic book size for 10 I bucks. Mean, all that for ten for, bucks, yeah. For nine, I mean, it's yeah. eight ninety nine, right? Eight, is it eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine? I guess it's nine ninety nine. I think it's nine ninety nine. Um, yeah. It's eighty eight pages, so it's mm-hmm. like you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really see if you're the kind of person that you know you have interest in that and the name is attached to it. I mean, are you really going to flip through it and be like, eh, I don't think I want to spend my money on this? And you know, then the retailer is going to take the time to return it and send. I don't, you know, I just don't. To me, I don't really. I feel like those are pretty locked in sales. I mean, I could be wrong, but no, it um, sounds like something that could sit on a shelf for a while, even if they don't, you know, empty this yeah. fl- fly out of the store that week. That it's sitting right. there and, and it's, you know, it's got um, as word of mouth, it, you know, it has a long tail basically, and also, yeah, I don't know if you're going back to printing at all, depending on the sale, but. You know, I don't know what the conversations. I know on digitally, there's a time limit, but um, right. for you know, so I, it just seems like it's a book that could maybe bring people in or be another, you know, an impulse buy, really, because at that price point, yeah. for those pages, that's still a bargain. Because you know, you're getting something that's quality. Most of the things are going to be end up in their own series. So yeah, it's the kind of thing. Even if you kept it around long enough for like Jock's first issue to come out in October. Like, okay, so there's a little story that's in there. It feeds into the story. Like, you don't need it to enjoy the short story, but you also don't need it to enjoy the series. But it's like, oh, I just bought the first issue. This really liked it. And if you want a little extra, like, there's a place to get it, you know? Yeah, I mean, my feeling was, like, even when we approached, like, the design of it, the covers, you know, I was like, I just want, like, somebody to have a whole bunch of these different covers and put it up on the wall, like, across the shop. And it's like, I just defy somebody not to at least be interested enough to go up and see what it is, you know, and want to pick it up and hold it. And then once you've done that, like that's 90% of the battle at that point. Yeah. I mean, we're excited. I mean, we're thrilled. Those numbers were fantastic, honestly. I mean, I know, you know, and the result, the response at the show, I mean, we had these huge long lines for all the signings. The sales were good. You know, they were selling, there was a special convention edition and like a gold foil edition. And then at the last minute chip, we printed up these, um, ash cans of uh jock's book they weren't the first issue it was just like pages and process stuff that kind of thing but we did it at like the kind of smaller size i know chip had to run around los angeles trying to find a printer you know like a just like some random printer that would print off like i don't i don't remember how many copies we had maybe 500 or a thousand or something maybe i can't even maybe not even that many but they're all like a smaller size you know they're like eight and a half by five and a half or something mm-hmm. like that, which is to me like a more traditional when you say like an ash can I don't know newer people probably don't even know what that is. But like <laughs> back in the day, that was definitely like a thing you'd go to San Diego and come back with like your suitcase, like filled with all of these, you know, they were like preview sample pages, whatever, but they often were printed almost like zines, you know, like kind of cheaply and on smaller size paper. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people would print them like on regular 
paper and, and fold, fold them in half. half. That's what I did. And that kind of stuff. I've yeah. done that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he was running around like, do we want them at the regular comic book size? And I'm like, hell no. We want them like small size. Like, what do you, you know, mm-hmm. like if we're doing ash cans then we're doing ash cans, you know? So, yeah. So that was kind of fun. But yeah, they were popular. I mean, they seemed to go, you know, we were just giving them out. Like they weren't, we weren't selling those. So at all jock signings, he had a stack of them, was giving them to people. But then I see some of them on eBay for like three hundred dollars, you know, <laughs> signed copies and stuff like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was great, man. I mean, with I mean, the strike stuff is bad news, right? I mean, it's really hard on people, and it's very stressful, and you know, certainly cut down a lot of the kind of height feel of the whole thing i mean even the there were some people waiting at hall h a few nights but there were like those giant lines of what amounts mm-hmm. to like homeless comic book fans like wasn't there you know um but a lot of the activations like you know had really big lines there was huge lines for this it was like a futurama animation kind of thing oh, wow. you know bob's yeah. burger and all that kind of stuff I mean, that line, like, I don't know how long it must have been to wait in it, but it was, and it was, it was almost like a little, like amusement park, like obstacle course kind of thing. And then they had those sorts of similar things like in downtown and they were all really, I mean, they had lines to all those. I mean, but yeah, there wasn't the big people camping out for the hall eight, but, um, so yeah, it definitely had a vibe of like an early two thousands show, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so which I mean, as a comic book person, like it's kind of, it's kind of cool, you know? I mean, the, the positivity around like the distillery booth was just, you know, really like palpable to me. And plus it was on the foot, it was a big booth, beautiful graphics, like simple graphics. And they, um, it was on the footprint of the old DC booth. I mean, it wasn't the whole size of the old DC booth, but it was in the exact same location. Oh, wow. So that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of, they had basically like after DC moved their stuff out and graffiti stopped, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they retired the graffiti booth is like, it was right there. And then they just like parceled it off to a bunch of people. Um, Did you? So yeah. So we were, we were right there. So it was just total like muscle memory for me to like, you know, know how long it took exactly to walk from the hotel to the booth and all the rest and and did you like revisit places you might have thrown up at or before (laughs) i never throw up come on i'm a professional drinker francis i haven't thrown up in 45 years i know there's a lot of hype at comic-con but you know you were there for to launch a, a company and all the risks that come with launching and being part of a new launch the uh, talent that's associated with the company is amazing and should get some eyeballs on it, I would say. Mm-hmm. As a professional, as somebody who's you know part of this venture, do you think, what were you trying to get out of Comic-Con and did you get it? Beyond the hype, all the hype that's there, was there a way of like judging, is that what you want at Comic-Con? Is the excitement, the hype, the lines, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. then you move on to the real world of delivering product getting people to purchase it and all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what's your thoughts about that? That, that is the whole point, which is why I would say it was a huge success. It's just, it's like a proof of concept, right? I mean, that's the kind of, that's what the devil's cut and book collection is basically is that you can get these kind of people together you can put stuff together fairly quickly, but it's still super high quality. 
but but it's really about like the stories and the comics and you know the format and the physical object and all the rest which is ironic given like david and chips kind of pedigree you know in the digital space that that, that there's such an emphasis you know because even like we had posters that were that we recruited some of the mondo guys who'd been laid off when mondo you know shuttered like whatever three four months ago yeah so we got in a couple of because we had relationships with them and we reached out to them to do a poster for jock at the booth and they'd worked with jock before of course at mondo for years and yeah, they did this poster of his, you know, the cover and stuff. It was beautiful. Like, I mean, it was just, they did like an amazing job, like a really high quality poster, beautiful, like screen print separation, everything. So yeah, for us, that was it. It was just to be like, Hey, we're here, like a, announce our arrival. You've, you know, a year ago, you're just a couple, two, three guys sitting around like a table at the Bayfront having breakfast and saying like, well, we could do this stuff or we should hire this person or what if we did that? What if we do this? And like a year later you have this super cool booth, like right in the center of the action. You know, they had people work in the booth. They'd hired people. They were like really super nice, like really fun. And just, you know, they have a new social media person that she's been, you know, she was running around doing all kinds of fun stuff with all the creators to the fans to be like, Hey, we have this cool stuff, like come and join us. Yeah, also to other creators, I mean, it's a pretty good recruitment tool to other creators that, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to sign up or that might want to sign you up. And it is hard to beat, like, you know, even in this world, Zoom and everything. I mean, it's hard to beat the face-to-face thing, right? So, you know, just to have a central location like that, that, I mean, you had to walk by it. And if you saw any of the pictures of it, it's like the branding was all very, you know, really poppy colors, really simple graphics. Mm-hmm. The booth itself was like pretty sparse you know it's just tables to sell the stuff on and then the big big banners in the back and that was it so compared to so many other booths you walk by and they're just so busy and cluttered and there's so much stuff everywhere and you don't know what you're what's free and what's for sale and what you're really looking at and who you're mm-hmm. talking to so yeah I don't know, so that was great too i mean there was definitely a steady stream of you know creators that we're not working with that you know stopping by and given kudos but also you know hey when are you guys going to start looking at new stuff or do you want to talk or whatever so couldn't beat it from that standpoint either so i mean i I don't think it could have been more successful honestly than it was i mean i think the sales were really good at the booth but it was just like the general vibe that we left with and then even as we were saying before we started you know chip had the idea that for years there was this party on the sunday night it was like the big rap party, you know, yep. and it was like, it was like, I would go some years, but some years you couldn't get invited. And it was very kind of annoyingly, or I don't even know what. The, I never know, got thing. invited. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, you know, it was that kind of a thing. And so Chip wanted to do a party at the end of the thing, but then it was still pretty small. It wasn't like it was like a huge open party for like the public or something, but it was just kind of a nice, you know, pretty mellow business, you know, with like friends and family, like all the creators and then, you know, we'd invite a bunch of people and, but there was publishers from, you know, a lot of the other publishers were there, Marvel, other places, you know, a lot of the people were there. Um, so it was a pretty good vibe in that respect, just like the end of the weekend to kind of put a cap on the whole thing that you would host this party and then like people from, you know, all these different companies would show up and different creators and some creators you were working with and some you weren't and, there were some retailers there and, you know, people from Diamond, people from Lunar. Like it was, yeah, it was pretty great. You know, it was just kind of a cool gathering of people. And, you know, when you're hosting it, it's like, 
it's it's a nice shine to have, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, in that respect, I think it was great. And I mean, you know, the, like I said, the strike stuff was unfortunate, but I think it benefited, you know, the comic book side because, like, these people just didn't have a lot of, they didn't have as much stuff to do separate from the floor, you know? I mean, I think there was probably still stuff happening at Hall H, like maybe they were still showing trailers and things. I don't, I don't even know, honestly, but um, I think um, I never have time to get involved with that, but. I think they moved some, whatever panels that could show up. I think they might have moved panels for comics to Hall H. I mm-hmm. maybe they maybe um, I don't know what kind of studios. Maybe they did run you know video, but they weren't any, yeah, any executives. You know, I think they yeah, don't. right. I mean, I don't. They you know they could go ahead and show the trailers and stuff. They usually try show, I suppose, but there wouldn't have been any guests there to kind of get everybody all hyped up. You know, and so a lot of the movies the have been put on hold too. So yeah, that's true. I did a bunch of panels and they were all really well attended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was like hosted a couple and then I was on a couple. They do do a fantastic job of managing the hall and managing the crowd flow and stuff. And compared to like a New York Comic Con, which is just a complete disaster usually, you know, like the, the show floor, I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So it never felt, I mean, it felt crowded and steady, but it didn't ever feel to me like oppressively crowded, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, given the location and stuff, I mean, there was definitely a steady stream of people coming through and at least asking about it, signing up with the website, you know, announcements, that kind of thing. There was a couple of people, there was one guy, I think, had already gotten like his t-shirt, like he'd ordered a t-shirt or something. And he, it was like the first one who showed up that had a like official distillery t-shirt on or something, you know, like a fan. Oh, the uh, original fan. Yeah. I got, I got that, but it, it yeah, came yeah, in yeah, after, yeah, came, came in after exactly. the con. I'm like, are they going to be giving these away at the con? I ordered this months ago. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, in that respect, it was great, you know? And, um, all, pretty much all the comic book people that I was hanging out with, publishers and everyone else, seemed pretty, pretty upbeat about stuff. Even though you hear these, you know, oh, the numbers are soft or the market's tough or whatever. Um, well, I, I think I mean we came out of COVID, comics came out of COVID really strong. There was a huge bump, and everybody was mm-hmm. worried that things were going to collapse. But it went the opposite way, and. I guess the idea that now people are going back to normal, you know, everything's sort of resetting and, you know, people can do other things. It's just, they knew there was going to be a bit of a drop and there is, you know, stuff, sales are Mm -hmm. soft, but does that mean, do you shutter everything? I mean, uh, I guess, no, you just, you understand that that's going to happen, but how do you prepare for that and how do you work your way through it basically? Everybody seems to forget yeah. that comics did really, really well at the end of COVID. That there was, right. you know, TKO was doing stuff during COVID to help retailers. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the, the stores came back, you know, once the pipeline could open up and people could buy stuff. I mean, the sales were just crazy. You know, right. it was surprising. So, I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I don't know. I mean, I think it's across all these industries. It's like they had all these bumps for various reasons and then you know, they want to, you know, try to keep it going in the same way. And it's like, it's not the same as it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, overall it was really super positive. People seem really excited. People seem, I was expecting more shade in general, just because I'm always expecting shade, you know, from somebody, but it was, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I really didn't, I really wasn't even encountering a lot of people like, Oh, why didn't you, you know, how come you didn't call me or, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, there's a lot of that generally speaking, but most of it just seemed kind of excited about the whole thing, you know, and meaning distillery in particular, but just in general, like the whole show. I mean, it is a great show for that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I used to hate going when I worked at DC, but since I've gone left DC, like I, I look forward to going like every year now, like I get like why, like particularly old timers used to always make the effort to go and sort of show <laughs> up and I could always be like, why do you guys come all the way here? Like it's a pain in the ass. It's expensive. But now, now I definitely get it. You know, it's really like, it's like the high school reunion that you like want to go to every mm-hmm. year and not the one like the shitty high school reunion that you're invited to. Yeah. You know, it's like going to see people you actually want to see and not just people you got stuck together with when you were 15, you know? So one last question, and maybe this is a mm-hmm. question we can continue because we should get Chip on there on this someday. You've mentioned a number of times in our talks, especially last one and this one about it took a year and here we are. And a year is not a lot of time in launching a publishing company. And I know Chip, as you said, he's been at it for a long time. He's worn a lot of hats. He's had, has a lot of experience, but, and they managed to, but they had to get money in a pipeline and talent together within a year committed, locked in and producing stories. What is the magic sauce? What is it between the, the two of them that just seemed determined to make this happen and happen quickly. Was there a bit of luck or was there an attitude that's driving everything that you can point to and going, this is why we're checking off a lot of boxes as quickly as possible. And obviously, you know, having the quality of work that looks like you're gearing up to release onto the world. Is there Mm -hmm. like a magic sauce that they're drinking you know yeah no the magic sauce is the same magic sauce that like any success i've had in my own career it's just like you get the right people doing what they do best and you don't get in their way generally speaking like good cool shit can happen and it can happen in a very short amount of time right you know i mean most of the a lot of the times the delays that happen a lot of the things that happen it's because there's people putting obstacles in the way of whoever it is that's good at their job right you know you're a writer and you need this thing but all of a sudden you're the editor that's oh but you got to include this and you can't do this and you got to stay away from like i i've been fortunate not to have to do that kind of editing in my career so i mean you know you've got david who's the sort of tech entrepreneur guy who is very like once he gets a project kind of i've seen this in the last year because i didn't really know him all that well before this i mean i you know just sort of worked a little bit at comiXology, but even by then he was kind of off doing these other projects, you know? Um, he's just that kind of guy that you can just see, you can see how these, how he would have created even the original comiXology or just even a lot of these like tech entrepreneurs, like how their brains kind of are wired that it's just like, once he gets the kind of bit in his mouth about it, like he's pretty relentless about solving like a particular problem. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, Chip, as I said, I mean, he's kind of the mayor of like a lot of this comic book stuff. But, you know, and some of that you seem like I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, you know, that's they don't want to do that kind of work or they don't know what the value of that is. But it's like when it comes time to then to start asking friends and family for investment, it becomes a lot easier because you've built those relationships across like the whole industry, whether it's with you know, international publishers, it's with, you know, U.S. publishers, it's with money guys, it's with whatever. 
you know, those are all based on the relationships that you've spent a lot of time forging, you know? And then it's like, in terms of the actual work, it's like, well, then they hire me to come on and it's like, my track record is what it is. And I have the connections and I have the experience and it's, so it's not that hard. You hire Jock to do a book. You hire Becky Clunin and Tulote. You hire Brian and Eduardo. It's like, I don't, what do I have to do? I'm not sitting, I mean, I'm not, my, I'm not spending my day telling Eduardo Riso, you know, make this page 10% more Western, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I can name, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't name names, but I can name 10 editors off the top of my head, but that's how they would spend their time. You know, like that's how they would be spending their time. They wouldn't be spending it at this 30,000 foot level trying to get, you know, build cool teams, inspire people to do cool stuff, bring people in that you think are a good fit. You know, they wouldn't. They'd be in the weeds meddling with all this stuff because there's a lot of editors in particular that think that that's what the job is, that if they're not doing that kind of meddling, then they're not doing their job, which I've never subscribed to that philosophy, you know? Mm-hmm. which then frees up my time to do more of like the relationship building and the matchmaking and the kind of overview sort of stuff, you know? Um, because I don't need to be, you know, Becky Clunan just sent in all the layouts for her first issue of the first book they're doing. It's like, you know, 30 some pages of just like a storytelling one-on-one, you know, like just all pencil drawing, but like just totally like, it's just a master class on, cool comic book storytelling and i went through it i looked at the script and it was like things seemed to be matching up and stuff but i'm not going to go in there and like tell her to start oh make this panel half the size and pull the camera back and you know that kind of shit but i can i can name 10 editors off the top of my head that that's how they would be spending their time and because i don't waste my time on that kind of nonsense then i'm freed up to kind of okay let's get on the phone to rom v and see what he wants to do let's you know connect this person to that person so that's how it can happen very quickly. You know, you're just hiring really good people. You hire Emma Price, who's doing all the design. You hire calling in people like the woman who's like the proofreader at Image. Like, you know, like she's allowed to freelance proofread. Like, great. She's awesome. Like, let's get her on the horn and she can turn these things around like super quick. You know, I got Greg Lockhart, who I worked with for years. Like, you know, like, all right, we'll hire him on. Like, let's get him on to help me with the book. So, you know, so between the two of us, it's like, we just, like, you're just kind of off to the races and we don't, and we just, like I said, we just don't waste a lot of time on all this putting obstacles in front of people. Like your job from my mind is to be smoothing the path in front of these people, not making it more difficult, you know, and that's how you get good people. And that's how you get them to do good work in a short amount of time. And then from a year ago to now, I mean, because it really has only been a little more than a year. I mean, Chip left Comicsology last June. Yeah. You know, and I know he wasn't, I mean, you know, David is particularly like, you know, even if there was over the years, maybe they had conversations about, you know, someday maybe we'd have our own thing or something. But I know the way those guys operate and they're both just completely straight arrows about stuff. But, you know, this wasn't something they were working on three years ago and just waiting for the right moment to sort of, parachute out you know and i think it's it's just the thing it's like david's very together and he kind of knows this methodical approach to building a company chip is very high energy and very fast motion momento forward and you know i'm kind of in the middle there sometimes just sort of like helping rein some of that in or you know just sort of like direct helping him direct some of that 
focus or they can just leave me to work on the books and they're working on all this, the other parts of it. Um, but again, it's like you hire good people and you let them do what they're good at. It seems very simple, but you, there's a lot of examples all over the world in every industry of why people can't do that, you know, and I don't, I've never understood it myself, why you wouldn't do that. But, you know, I mean, it seems to make the world go around that you put up obstacles or try to tear people down or, you know, and I think it comes, it comes back to your own ego, you know, like you have to, like, I have a big ego. There's no question, but we all do. But I also have enough confidence in like, I can trust you to do the job that you're good at doing, you know, and if a lot of people can't, I mean, you know that I'm sure from your own jobs and just regular jobs that you and I have both had, you know, whatever, there's always that manager that needs to be up your ass about whatever the stupid thing is, you know, you give them a little bit of power and suddenly it's like, he's micromanaging everything. Yeah. They're busting (laughs) your balls all day long, you know? And it's like, you don't need to do that. You know? And I don't, I just don't waste my time doing that. I just can't do it. You know? Well, so anyway, that's, that's how we are here a year later with like this super cool thing. We had a great time and you know, I mean, it, it was, it was really beyond my wildest dreams in terms of, just coming back feeling like excited and energized and I feel like everyone involved, you know, hopefully felt the same way. Well, that's one thing I've always felt like coming out of Comic-Con and I think I've missed that is that if, if you go in and you are even half successful with wanting to meet people and all the conversations you might want to have, because yeah, I spent a good 10 years just being, it was a professional con. I wasn't as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come out energized. You can't help, mm-hmm. you know, you might be exhausted, just because you didn't sleep much and probably drank too much. But um, I always felt there was like a, it was, it was a recharge and you come mm-hmm. back and you're almost like, a, you know, you're too excited to do work, but it's totally. there and it, and it's sort of, and so if that's, if Comic-Con still has that kind of energy about it, especially, you know, two weeks later and it helps mm-hmm. you push you through and gets you, you know, the excitement's even more and it seems to rub off the fans, then that was a, a uh, and a success right there, you know? So if you're jazzed yeah, again, that's great. So, you know, yeah, I definitely am. And I, I get criticized, I think a lot for being cynical or being kind of, you know, cranky or whatever. But no, I'm really, really? I'm, I'm, I'm really not, you know, I don't think, um, I just, you know, I might be more realistic or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, you can't help but come back feeling like this is a cool job and this is a cool industry and you're like really blessed to do it. And, and, you know, your hard work paid off. I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like the work, you got to do the work, you know? Uh I mean, it's like, I I know people like think we run around, have fun. We're doing this. Like, Oh, maybe, you know, there's definitely been times when I think people thought, you know, we're kind of fratty or too, you know, laddish or whatever the heck it is. But it's like, I put in the work, you know, like I'm up earlier than you are and I stay up later than you do. And like, you know, and if you want to try to beat me at this job, well then, you know, you better start getting up earlier and you better start staying up later because until then, you know, until then it's like, I'm, we're still like eating your lunch all day long, you know? So I don't know. I, I think people overlook that aspect too. It's just, like, no, I, I, I'm very much aware of that because looking back at myself 10 years ago and then what I'm doing now and what's the issue is that 10 years ago, the work got done. The only way you can have a conversation, right. the only way you can move anything forward is by just getting the work done. You know, that's the difference between me as a writer 10 years ago and me as a writer now. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's that simple, mm-hmm. that simple of an explanation. But still, 
And that that's really yeah, what it comes down. You got to get the work done. You it, and move on to the next thing. Basically, get get one thing done and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's it, man. It's like Andy Warhol said: the most important thing is work. You know, it's just like <laughs> we're finishing. And, you know, it's the work and it's like shipping it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. those are the things that really, like, at a certain point, like you got to ship it because otherwise, then it's just kind of like you're journaling or something. You know, yeah, which is fine, but you know, I mean, it's like I'm in the business of shipping it, so that's that's where we're at. I guess we'll we'll have to figure out. I'll send you an email about what we're going to talk about next and work out some stuff. But I hope you enjoy your right. your the rest of your August summer vacation. Yep. And maybe we'll skip this month. Maybe we're not. But let's see how things play out with some of the guests <laughs> we're talking to. And I'll add chip to that to that. But uh, we'll try to check off a couple of the things we've been talking about uh, for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I will work on that and. All right. Um, looking forward to seeing Devil's Cut. Get in my copy, and yep, that August should be nice. 30th, right? I think, I, I think that's it. Yeah. So, so um, it's. It looks hey man, yeah. Whatever gorgeous. you want to do. I mean, it's August, so you know we can take a little. European about it. Keep, <laughs> we could just keep grinding whatever you want, man. I'll be your Huckleberry. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had a good con. Uh, yeah, I'm jealous. So, um, uh, well, <laughs> got to get you out there. Yeah. So, uh, have a great, uh, great day. I'll talk to you later. You too. I'll okay. Better too. All right. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Later. Thanks.